Well, uh, good afternoon. We are continuing in our series in Judges. In fact, we're just about at the end. We've got one more week uh, next week when John Stevens is going to bring us the message, uh, looking at the last bit of Samson, so to speak. Uh, but we've got a, uh, a another week in Samson here. Steve didn't read from the book of Judges. Those of you who are on the ball will notice. You will find out why at some point during the sermon. I don't want to spoil the surprise, so I'll, I won't tell you when in advance. Um, when I was a teenager, I was involved in a youth group over in Sheffield called Stephen Hill Youth Club. Uh, in fact, that's where I met the lovely Denise. Uh, we were, uh, she was a child bride, obviously. Um, and, uh, it was a very active youth group. We did a lot of things. We were involved in a lot of stuff. And one of the things it used to do was a pantomime every year. In fact, it still does. It still does pantomimes. It's, it's now in its 50th year or something. Uh, usually over the February half term, something it's probably going on. Maybe it was just going on this last week. Uh, I was usually part of the stage crew. You know, bear in mind my comment just then about singing and that kind of stuff. I was usually the stage crew or the front of house staff. Uh, there was one appearance I made on the stage, which I'm not going to tell you about or indeed dwell on. Ask Denise afterwards. It will give you a, give her an enormous amount of pleasure to tell you about it and what I was wearing. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, but, but lots of hard work, but also great fun, aren't they? You know, pantomimes. Uh, and when I've been reading the story of Samson this week, and thinking about it, increasingly it's been seeming to me like a bit of a pantomime. It's been seeming like a bit of a, you know, they're behind you, or, uh, uh, you know, theatrical winks to the audience. Um, And it just, as as I've gone through this, it's just seemed more and more like it's a slapstick comedy featuring the Chuckle Brothers or something and not actually, um, you know, a narrative in that way. So you'll get the sense of that as we go through. Um, We're going to look at three whys. Those of you who are on the ball will know why we're thinking about three whys. You think about that. I don't don't have to emphasise it. I cracked the joke about six months ago. I'm not going to say it again. We're going to think about uh, why this big pantomime why this relationship with Delilah, that's your clue, and why the different responses. So so uh, why this pantomime, why the relationship with Delilah, and why the different responses. And we'll see at some point what it's got to do with Revelation. But let me pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, uh, you are a good and a gracious God. You love us. And you have not left us alone to guess what you are like or to guess how we are supposed to respond to you. You've given us your Bible. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, help us today to understand what you have for us, what you have to tell us, and put that deep into our our hearts. Uh, Lord, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me read for you the first part of Judges chapter 16. If you're in the Church Bible, that's on page 259. I'm just going to read the first three verses. So that's page 259, and it's Judges 16 verses. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 3. One day Samson went to Gaza 
where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no, they made no move during the night saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Uh, and this is where the pantomime starts. In, in one way, it's a bit of a bear story. There's, there's, there's not a huge amount of details. We'll, we'll, we'll try and pick some out here. Uh, Samson has been leading Israel. If you just go back to chapter 15, just at the end there, it says Samson led Israel for 20 years in the day of the Philistines. Notice it doesn't say rule. You know, he wasn't actually in charge. He wasn't that, that much of a, 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 a judge in that way. So he's been doing this for 20 years, but guess what? He's up to his old tricks. He's up to his old tricks. He is hanging out with women he shouldn't be hanging out with. He's in Gaza. Uh, you would have heard the name Gaza. Yeah, you've heard the name Gaza quite often on the on the news. It's there in the in the Gaza Strip in Palestine, uh, and it's the headquarters of the Palestine Authority. It was at this point fulfilling the same role. This was the capital of the Philistines at this point. Uh, this five kings rulers, but this is their capital. This is where they are. But they've conquered Israel to some way and they're occupying Israel to a certain extent. We don't quite know how much. Uh, and Samson, he's done a few things with the Philistines. You know, we saw that last week, setting things on fire and killing people with jawbones and all that good stuff. So this week he rocks up at the capital city. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't matter how strong or brave you are, at this point he's either crazy or He's really brave, or he's really arrogant. I'm not quite sure which. But to go to the capital city of the enemy and just start hanging around and going with the prostitute in this case, that is really getting out of order. So he heads to Gaza. Guess what? He likes the look of this girl and goes to a house. Pretty sure they're not playing bridge all night. Uh, it doesn't say what they're doing. We don't need to know, but we can guess. Uh, and once again, here's Samson, and he's ignoring what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's ignoring his dedication to God. He's ignoring the, the job God has given him. He's just behaving like a complete idiot, to be honest with you. He's supposed to be leading and saving the people of Israel. This is what he's doing instead. But he's famous. You know, he's famous. He's been doing all these things. He's been setting fire to things and killing Philistines and so and so they notice him a bit like I don't know a bit like David Beckham or something you know, walking his you know, we know him we know who he is uh, and the word goes out uh, Samson's here and the people of Gaza are like right this time we're going to get him this time we are going to get this guy uh, but then if you notice then in, in verse 2 so Samson is here they surround the place lay in wait for him all night 
and they don't make a move. Now, it might be just me, it might be me reading things into the story that aren't where I don't know. But I'm imagining a bit of the, again, going back to the pantomime idea. Yeah, after you. No, no, after you. No, after you. Well, uh, uh, he's a big, strong lad, and I'm not, you know, I've, uh, I'm not feeling too good, and, you know, I've been feeling a bit nauseous after tea, so, uh, we'll just wait. Uh, and someone else say, oh, well, you know, it's me gammy leg, you know, we'll, uh, and they're all just kind of, you know, God, he's, yeah, we'll, we'll get him later, you know, we'll get to him later, uh, which, uh, on there I've called, I've got a note from my mum, uh, and they're backing off. I know I would be, I'm not going to blame them. Uh, so they wait until morning, and I mi- and I'd missed this first, I noticed where they're waiting, they're waiting at the city gate, okay, important point. Because in verse 3, what happens? Samson gets up in the middle of the night and he gets hold of the doors of the city gate and he picks the whole thing up, including the gate posts, including the bar on the, on the side, uh, with what one commentator describes as no more than a slight hoop. He picks it up. And then trudges off with it, off through the night, the whole gate of the city. Off he goes to Hebron. Now Hebron is 40 miles away, okay? Nearest makes no odds. So he's off through, through the middle of the night. Here's my gate. Puts it on top of a hill in the middle of the Hebron. What were the Philistines at the gate doing? You know, they're there in the night waiting for him you're going to notice if you're going to notice if someone picks up the gate and walks off with it it's going to make a bit of a a bit of a noise what had they fallen asleep you know had they fallen asleep one commentator suggests they've fallen asleep you know and they wake up and they sort of go well, it's a bit of a draft on the back of my neck you know what's uh, oh, I wonder where that's coming from you know oh hold on Who, who's nicked the gate uh, maybe they got bored and they went home. Uh, maybe they saw Samson coming and they legged it. I don't know. Um, but it, to me, it just sounds like a bit of a pantomime. Since I moved it on, just move that on, will you? Go on. Okay. Um, you know, it's, like, it's almost like a who's stolen the gate? It, it's really hard to understand how he can do that without them noticing. Uh, we don't even know that. Uh, and as a side, although it's not in the story, then I also wonder what the people in Hebron think. So they're waking up one morning and they're looking out the window and they go, you know, I don't remember that gate being there. I don't remember that gate up on there on the hill. Who's put that there? Who, who's built a gate when, when we were looking in the middle of the night? Did they get planning permission for that? What's, what's, where's that come from? And also, God is not mentioned anywhere in that story. In those three verses, God is not mentioned. In, in some of the cases previously, it says the, the power of the Lord was with, was with Samson. It is not mentioned at all. So what's it there for? You know, what, what's this three verses there for? What, what's it doing? I want to suggest to you that this is a passage that's linking 14, chapters 14 and 15 to the Samson and Delilah story. 
Uh, it's showing us he's getting more and more depraved. Now he's sleeping with a prostitute. His fame is getting wider. He's gone to the capital city now. Uh, he's still misusing his awesome gift from God even after 20 years. He's not learned. He has not learned what it's all about. What is it going to take to turn this foolish leader back to God? What, what has God got to do? What has it got to take? That is why. And the answer to the question is the next bit in the story of Samson and Delilah. So let me read you the first part of Samson and Delilah. So I'm going to read from verse 4 in Judges 16. Uh, Some time later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep, pulled up the pin and the loom and the fabric. Yes. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back, sorry, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, 
she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his head and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines were upon you. He woke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now this has got to be, uh, and the rest, of, the rest of that passage John Stevens will cover next week. Uh, this, this has got to be one of the most famous uh, stories from the Bible. Uh, many people would have heard this as children. Uh, Samson tricks the Philistines and is then betrayed in the end, but ultimately defeats his enemies, even though it costs him his life. Uh, I don't feel half as positive about it, to be honest with you. Uh, Such a view of the story, I think, misses out a lot of the background, a lot of the motivations. So let's dig in. Uh, Verse 4, it says, Samson falls in love with Delilah. She might be Jewish, she's most likely to be a Philistine. She certainly lives in Philistine territory. Uh, Remember, Samson is a Nazarite. He's supposed to be holy and dedicated to the Lord. If he can't control himself, he needs to be marrying a Jewish woman, not sleeping with non-Jews, particularly non-Jews he's not married to. This is part of the whole problem with the people of Israel at this point. They've compromised and forgotten their relationship with God. And too many times. Uh, But still, you know, still the story sounds like a pantomime, doesn't it? You know, Delilah's trying to get the secret of his strength and and he's egging her on. Uh, The Philistine rulers come to her. So notice it's not the people of Philistine now. It's now escalated up. It's now the rulers who are coming. Uh, And they're assuming there's some kind of magic trick. You know, give me the secret of your potion, my lovely, or, or whatever, uh, whatever you would say. Now, what's the secret formula? How do you get so strong? And they're trying to disrupt him. Uh, you know, they're being underhanded. They're trying to figure out uh, what is the secret of the formula. Uh, now, I hope that Delilah was actually a lot more circumspect than what it says in the story here. Uh, I hope she didn't just say, oh, you know, hi, honey, how's your day been? Oh, good. Oh, by the way, uh, tell me the secrets of your great strength and uh, how you, uh, how we can tie you up and subdue you. Because is that a little obvious? Is it me or is that a bit direct? Is that a bit, you know, oh, hi, everything okay? Good. How can we defeat you totally? Uh, I mean, talk about just sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, and so he gives her the answer that is false to mislead her and humiliate her and oh, we chuckle and all the Israelites who are reading it chuckle. <laughs> what a good story. Um, why didn't he just leave? I mean, for crying out loud, why didn't he just think, hello, I know what this is about. I know what she's trying to do. It's time to hit the back door. Let's get out of here. That would have been a great response. That would have been a 
good response just to get out. Okay, he shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Fair enough, that is true. But having got into that situation, the right response is to leave. It is not to commit another sin. And, folks, the answer to any problem or really difficult situation is never to do something wrong. This bloke is not a clever clever trickster. Samson is not a clever trickster. He is an idiot. When you're in a situation like that, you don't then do something else wrong. As my mum said, two wrongs don't make a right. Yet we all do it, don't we? Sooner or later, we all do it. Sometimes it's just too easy an answer. Anyway. She's asking him really obvious questions. He doesn't leave. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, and then Delilah starts playing what one of the commentators, Delph, Dale Ralph Davis, calls a game called Here Come the Philistines. Okay, it's a very simple game. Uh, and this is, again, reminded me of the, of the pantomime a bit. It's a very simple game. It involves doing whatever Samson has told you, a bit like Simon says, shouting, Here Come the Philistines! And then seeing what happens. Okay, easy game. They play four rounds in the end. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, a bit like the pantomime. He's behind you. Um, and guess what? He's told her the wrong stuff. So when she says that, the Philistines run in and he's okay. You know. What's Samson thinking at that point? Is he thinking, oh, this is a really funny game. Is he thinking that he's really enjoying misleading Delilah? And that's really a funny game. It might be that he's thinking, you know, I can't bear to leave her. I I love this woman too much. He says he loved her at the beginning there. And maybe he just thinks, you know, I'm just going to keep this, stringing this along. just so I can stay with her. If this keeps her happy, if this keeps her good, I'll just keep her stringing along and it'll all work out okay. Whatever it is, he keeps playing along, he doesn't walk out the back door. And Delilah keeps going. She doesn't give up after the first time. She's a persistent girl. Uh, she's, she keeps going. She keeps trying to persuade him, coming up with different things. Um and in the end there, in the, the third time, notice that she says there, um, verse 15, How can you say, I love you, when you don't confide in me? Not, and what she's saying is, do this if you love me. Not, do what is right if you love me. Or even, you should not even be here, why aren't you leaving right now? No, she's trying to manipulate him. Uh, she's trying to get him to give him uh, the answer to the question. Now, bear in mind, he's given her the ammunition to do that. Okay, because he's lied to her, she can say, you're not being straight with me, you're, you're lying to me. If you've been straight with her from the start, or if you've not even been there, he wouldn't be in this situation. But no, he's still lying. So she's right in one way when she says, you who humiliated me and lied to me, because because he has. 
But then again, she's only doing it to betray him and trip him up anyway. So, what's the big deal? So, I'm just going to move that, just move that on in for us. Um, so they play, here come the Philistines again, and this time, full time, he loses. One writer points out that Samson's had previously humiliated the men of Gaza while they were asleep at the city gate. Now he's being humiliated when he's asleep. Uh, this is not a happy ending like we expect in the pantomime. Uh, he actually is captured, humiliated and tortured by the Philistines. But uh, let's just pause for a minute. Let's just go off in a slight angle. What's the big deal with Samson losing his hair? And how come I'm the one asking that? Uh, what is the big deal with Samson losing his hair? If you go back to, to into chapter 13 of Judges, uh, you find the angel of the Lord saying, you will be a Nazarite from birth. Uh, later on, Manoah's wife seems to add to that from birth until he dies. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Samson has been committed to this. And... By the time he gets to this point, he's already broken his vows quite a few times. He's already, you know, the whole thing with the, taking the honey out of the lion and having parties and all that kind of stuff. Uh, God could have taken away his power at any point. So why choose this one? Why choose now? Uh, it's interesting that at this point the removal of his hair uh, is the thing that happens at the same time as God removing his power. Is that a coincidence? No, there's no such thing. Um, either perhaps this was the last straw, it is God saying, you know, I've had enough of this, give over. Uh, or maybe there's something about that external behaviour, triggering the response in God, could be either. Um, but the fact that God didn't take away his power beforehand says to me that that external deal is not what it's about to be a Nazarite. He's a Nazarite because God had promised he would be. Because God sustained him in that. Um, there's something else going on there in that. But that's how the story ends. In, in, in this section, he's imprisoned. He's grinding grain with a millstone. That's a very menial job. But right at the end there, verse 22 Bear in mind, everything that's just happened, notice that for some crazy reason, the Philistines are allowing his hair to grow back. That is a bit weird, isn't it? It says there, but the hair on his head began to grow back. There's a link there back to the angel of the Lord in chapter 13 of Judges, where he says Samson will begin to save his people. Samson was never going to, according to the angel of the Lord, he was never going to complete the job, he was never going to do the whole job. But the word there is the same, there's a link there between the two, between the idea of Samson starting to save his people and his hair beginning to grow back on his head. And I guess that's what happens next week when we get into verse 23. And he's just hit the low of his life, hasn't he? He's hit the very bottom of his life. He's captured, he's bound, he's been tortured, he's been humiliated by his enemies. Does that sound familiar to you, that combination? I want to suggest to you that, that 
that maybe we should just take a moment and compare Samson with someone else who was captured, bound, tortured and humiliated by his enemies. And that's Jesus. Uh, you remember you're on our little logo here at the bottom. It doesn't show up too well in the lights. But it's a downward spiral. Each judge is progressively, in this book, is progressively worse. But it's pointing to a perfect leader. And the perfect leader is Jesus. The only son of God. And this is just too tempting, bearing that in mind, not to make this comparison. Samson and Jesus, both of their births were announced by angels. An angel of the Lord appeared for both of them and said, they're going to be born, here's what they're going to be doing. Both were told that they would save God's people. Samson, that he would begin to save his people. That Jesus would save his people. Both have been gifted by God, Samson with great strength. But Jesus had the full range of divine nature and power at his call. So there's some similarities there, similarities, some similarities there. But then it gets quite different. Samson lived a life which was filled with pride and lust and self-importance and rebellion against the will of God. I mean, this guy was totally not there. But Jesus lived a life which, although he was tempted, he never committed a sin. He lived a perfect life. And he perfectly followed the will of God. Tim Keller says that in Samson we now begin to see how sin and grace function on two completely opposite bases. In grace, God takes even our weaknesses and failures and uses them for us. But in sin, we take even his gifts and strengths and use them against him. Read that again. Uh, In Samson, we now begin to see how sin and grace function on two completely opposite bases. In grace, God takes even our weakness and failures and uses them for us. But in sin, we take even his gifts and strengths and use them against him. And I think you can see that in Samson. Samson's flashy. Jesus is humble. Samson did things because they pleased Samson. Jesus did things because they pleased God. But then some things come together again. They're both betrayed by someone close to them. Both betrayed for money, although there may be other motivations involved. Both were ridiculed and tortured by their enemies. And some of those enemies were external to Israel. Samson's were, some of Jesus's were, when you're thinking about the Romans, that kind of stuff. And in one sense, okay, in one sense, Samson deserved it. In many senses, he deserved it. He had humiliated the Philistines, he'd broken God's law, he'd broken his vow. Okay, he deserved it, but Jesus didn't. He didn't deserve his death because he'd lived a perfect life that Samson couldn't live, that none of us can live. We are more like Samson on many levels than we are like Jesus. Yes, both were killed in cruel and unusual ways. Yes, both embraced their deaths and cried out to God when they died. But it was only Jesus who achieved the victory. It's only Jesus who saved his people. Samson was supposed to be working on that, 
But he, he didn't, or up to this point he hadn't been. And Samson's role was to free the nation of Israel. Jesus had a much bigger role. He was saving a people from all nations at all time throughout history. He was going to step into their place. He was going to take the anger of God. He was going to take the rebellion and all of the sin and the bad stuff. And he was going to free them by dying for them. By dying for us. By dying for me. From my enslavement to sin. From our enslavement to sin. He died and he succeeded. We know he succeeded because he rose from the dead. Samson and everybody in this story is dead. And they have been dead for a long time. But Jesus is alive. If you've already put your trust in Jesus, this unflawed, this humble, gentle son of God, then that is fantastic. If you have, if you have not, then do that today. Trust him. Turn your life towards him. There is no better leader to follow. Well, we, second, we said the second why was about this relationship. Why this relationship? What's going on in this relationship between Samson and Delilah? Uh, the Philistines are seeing an opportunity. They want to exploit it. Uh, it's got to be quite a nasty shock if you're the leader of a nation to know that someone like Samson has just turned up. He just rocked up in your capital city. When the London Olympics was on, you remember how they had all security forces, they had navy ships uh, anchored in the Thames. All, you know, I mean, they're worried about security. These guys are going to be worried about security. Uh, they know what he's done. They know his background. The humiliation is heaped on them. Is he planning another thing? You know, what's he going to do this time? Well, I thought we could find out the secret. What is it? What's his secret formula? He's not been easy to defeat. So far, how are we going to do it? Mm. Mind you, those blokes in Judah were able to tie him up with two ropes. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, what are we going to do? So the Philistines are trying to think, how can we defeat this guy? So they sidle up to Delilah. They promise her money to betray him. To be fair, they promise her an absolute fortune. That amount of silver is Huge. I mean, she is going to be one of the wealthiest people in the country if she does this. Uh, and although she fails three times, she does deliver the goods. And they're able to capture and torture and humiliate and ultimately kill him. That's the Philistines. Okay, but what does Delilah want in this relationship? Why is she in this relationship? Why, why, why is she in this relationship? Um... That, that was the three whys, by the way. If you haven't got the three whys at this point, anyway. Um, Delilah sees an opportunity and she's wanting to exploit it. She's wanting to exploit this relationship. Uh, does she love him? She may have done at the start. We don't know. It doesn't say that. Um, but when she decides to betray him for money, and maybe for power as well, actually, then this has descended into what can I get out of this situation? What am I going to get out of it? Uh, she's aware that Samson's got this great gift of strength, that it's a gift from God. Um, is she aware that the Lord is with him? 
in the way it describes here? Maybe. Either way, this is a cynical manipulation. If she knows the Lord is with him, this is a cynical manipulation of God, as well as Samson, actually. Um, But she's in it for the cash. She's in it for maybe the power. If she can solve this big problem for the leaders of the Philistines, this is going to make her not only monetarily wealth, but this is going to put them really, her, really in their good books. She's going to become politically quite an important person in the country. So that's what she wants out of it. That's what Delilah wants out of it. But the question then is, okay, what does Samson want out of it? He sees an opportunity to exploit it. And what I want, he's going to exploit his gift, and what he wants out of it is physical love. Hubba hubba, as it says on there. He is a womanizer. Delilah has caught his attention. He can't resist. How hard is he trying? I don't know. Probably not too hard. And throughout you know, uh, chapters 14 and 15 and 16, we have seen him doing this. And this is one of the problems with sins that re- involve sex. They are often progressive. As they go, they become worse as they go along. It is not the same thing uh, each time. Uh, the first time, uh, perhaps the person is racked with guilt. And by the time they got to the point Samson's gone to, they're like, oh well. We've done it before, we'll do it again, doesn't really matter that much. Uh, without barely a thought. There's a song by Crasting Crowns which has the words, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. You don't give yourself away quickly. You don't become an incredibly uh, terrible person doing awful things overnight. It just happens a bit at a time. And it's a slow fade as you go down. Uh, and we have to be thankful for the Bible, we have to be thankful for God who will and who can pull us out of such a trajectory. He can pull us out of that slow fade if we allow him to. But without him, that's pretty tough to be honest with you. Um, Samson may also be, to, to be fair, he may also be a bit of a thrill seeker. He might he might get a kick out of uh, out of adrenaline. Uh, you know, you look at some of his exploits here in chapters 14 and 15. I mean, this is crazy stuff. This is James Bond, Mission Impossible kind of stuff, you know, uh, uh, physically impossible, you know, with one bound. Superman does, you know, here you go, here's your gates. Oh, let's go, 40 miles off to Hebron. Okay, come on. You know, this is, this is, uh, does he get a kick out of this? Is that why he's gone to Gaza? Is that has he gone to really sort of just see how far he can push it, how dramatic he can get? Does he need that? Maybe we get a sense that he's a thrill seeker in that way. I don't know. Whichever way it is, it's clear that Samson has been given a supernatural gift of God, and. He's not necessarily doing what he should be doing. So that's, so that's the third why, is to think about what is it about this gift of God? Why are we working through this gift of God? Maybe reverse or same order again. The Philistines. The Philistines are the enemy of Samson and Israel. They're ruling over them in some extent. 
they're looking for a way to defeat him, to work around this power, to bring him down, to humiliate him, just as they've been humiliated. They've finally got him maybe where they want him, in Gaza. The leaders of the Philistines involved, the stakes are getting higher. Do, do the leaders of the Philistines, do the other Philistines, believe this is a supernatural power? Or do they think this is some kind of magic trick? I, sus- I suspect they think it's maybe some kind of magic trick. Uh, they know something's going on because, yeah, okay, hands up. Perhaps other than Ian Marriott. Hands up who could pick up a gate of the city gate, even at all. Uh, both hands down. I think Ian could probably do it. If he, he's a, he's a good lad. Uh, but, but the rest of us, no, that isn't gonna happen. You know, and he carries this thing for 40 miles. There's something going on, isn't there? Um, did they know it was supernatural? Did they fear God? They still want to follow their own gods, because that's part of their national identity. Okay, they're not gonna quit it, and yet they want to humiliate him. Fair enough, I get that. But he's also the leader of Israel. The leader of their occupied enemies who, who maybe don't always submit to their rule and authority. They don't just want to kill him, they want to capture and humiliate him. They want to take what appears to be this gift of God and rub his nose in it. And maybe rub the Israelites' nose in it. Just move that on to there. Just give it a poke there, Ian. Um, how about Delilah? Delilah knows about this great strength. She knows about that. Now, does that make her afraid of Samson? I mean, to be sitting next to this super powerful um, man and trying to seduce him and trying to trick secrets out of him. Uh, she certainly knows he's very attracted to her. He's made that clear. Um, but when the Philistine leaders come to her and offer her tons of silver... You know, she sees that opportunity. I can earn a lot of money. That's got to be good. Uh, it's going to solve a problem for the leaders. I'm going to be really in their good books. If she's aware that this is a gift from God, what does that say about her? What does that, what does that say she thinks about God? Yes, I know you've got this gift of God. I'm going to try and take it away from you. I'm going to try and get rid of it. Uh, I'm going to try and yeah, abuse that gift in a way, because I'm going to try and take it and get something for me from the gift. And that's certainly, and that is certainly what Samson is doing uh, there. Uh, Samson, boy, is he abusing his gift. Uh, he, in fact, he's squandering this gift that he's got. He's supposed to be a Nazarite, he's supposed to be freeing his people, and instead he's getting honey out of dead animals, he's a womanizer of the first class, that's not in a good way, you understand. Uh, He's giving away the secret that will defeat him. He's supposed to be saving his people. How is he going to do this? He's not got into it, he's not done anything. He's committing adultery and... He's not stepping up. Samson assumes that all of his success, every one of these great things he's done is all about him. Even at the point where he loses his hair. Even at that point. Notice there, he says, I'll go, so uh, 
verse 20, halfway through verse 20, I'll go out as I did before, shake myself free. He's got to know in his heart of hearts what's just happened, doesn't he? He's got to understand that he's blown it, and yet he's still arrogant enough and pride enough to say, no, it's all about me, I'm going to shrug it off, we're going to muscle on through this. And it's only when he's lost everything, it's only when he's enslaved and grinding grain, perhaps he's just in rags or perhaps even nothing, that he realises to some extent what has happened and just what has gone on, what he's lost. And then, as we'll see next week, he turns to God. We often see Samson as a hero in a children's Bible story, but what a blind fool he is. Literally, at this point now, a blind fool. Steve read us from Revelation uh, chapter 3, where Jesus is sending a message to a church in Turkey. Let me just read for you part of that passage, or two parts of that passage. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. And that is Samson at this point. Jesus goes on, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so you can see. Jesus just saying just saying to the church in Turkey, you might as well be saying it to Samson, turn to me. Come to me and let me show you what is real. Let me show you how to use your gift. And, and even further on in that passage, maybe a clue as to what's happening, why, why Samson is in this situation. Verse 19, those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. This At this point for Samson is God's rebuke and God's discipline at that point. That sounds like Samson to me. That sounds like where Samson is. Could be Samson. Uh, Here he is at the end of the life. He's really a blind fool. He has it all. But he has it all from God, not from himself. He's on a mission from God and instead he decides to waste it all. Not simply by not following God's will, but actually rejecting God and just ignoring what's going on. God exists. Samson knows God exists. Because he was praying to him earlier in, in chapter 15 and we saw his prayer answered. But he lives as if he didn't exist. Samson is not the hero in this story. God is the hero in this story. Not Samson. It's God who is faithful. Even when Samson is fallen, even when we have fallen, God is faithful. So, you're very cheeky now. I know it was why, 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 but I'm going to ask you a fourth why. Okay? I didn't say that earlier because the song doesn't go why, 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 Delilah. It just goes why, 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 Delilah. Okay, but we're going to have a fourth why right at the end. If we just move this on. Give it another jingle. So, Why is this story in the Bible for the Israelites? Remember, we've been asking that 
quite often in terms of the book of Judges. Why this story? Why is it in the Bible? What were the, what were the Jewish people seeing when they read this? Like Ian was saying last week, maybe there's a certain amount of uh, chuckling and laughter and joking. You know, oh, silly Philistines. Oh, oh, look, they were asleep at the gate and he picks up the gate and he walks off with it. Oh, that's really funny. Uh, you know, oh, can you imagine somebody asleep when someone walks off with your gates to your city? Oh, um, uh, or even, oh, we feel a bit downtrodden. Uh, look what people have done in the past who were Israelites. It's great to be Israelites, you know. Perhaps they're seeing him as a hero for defeating the Philistines single-handedly once again and humiliating them. Fair enough. But what if they reflect on Samson and what he was sent to do? When they compare Samson to an Ehud or to a Gideon, they're going to soon realise that this guy is the worst judge. Despite the fact he's been leading his people for 20 years, he has not, at this point, even begun to save them. He was unfaithful, he was unfruitful. And I think that's supposed to sound a bit familiar to Israel. I think that what they're really supposed to see here is that this is the nation of Israel too often in its history. Given huge abilities by God, given being chosen by God as his chosen people, being given a promise by God, being given a special relationship with God, being given every encouragement, being given a mission to go on. God is super patient while they're doing it. And they, like Samson, head off in the other direction and do something else. They do the opposite. Israel are supposed to see themselves in this. And that has been true of Israel often in the history of Israel. And Israel is supposed to see itself. And Christians... We are supposed to see ourselves sometimes. We are given gifts of the Holy Spirit by God. We are chosen by God. We are given a promise by God. We are given a special relationship with God. We are given every encouragement. We're given a mission to go on. God God is super patient while we go off and do what? Do we follow him? Do we not? Different experiences. How are we doing? How are you doing in your life? How am I doing in my life? Are we a bit too much like Samson? Are we doing okay? Which judge do you think you're like when you read the book of Judges? Um, let me just encourage you. Let me just encourage you today with, the, with those words from Revelation. Let's buy from Jesus. Not that you can use money, but, but through our faith... And through uh, reading the Bible and praying and being together, let's buy from Jesus gold refined in the fire and white clothes to wear and salve to put on our eyes so that we can see. Let's pray together.